Hi everyone, it's Natasha. We're having a special bonus episode this week. Mitch was supposed to be on in a couple of weeks, but we wanted to make this available before the inauguration. So here it is. Hope you enjoy it. Okay, guys, we are here with Mitch Horowitz, and I, just so you all know, I'm really going to work hard to keep my shit together right now because I'm re- really excited. <laughs> so, <laughs> so let me read his bio here. Mitch Horowitz is a historian of alternative spirituality and one of today's most literate voices of esoterica, mysticism, and the occult. Mitch illuminates outsider history, explains its relevance to contemporary life, and reveals the long-standing quest to bring empowerment and agency to the human condition. He is widely credited with returning the term new age to respectable use and its and is among the few occult writers whose work touches the bases of academic scholarship, national journalism, and subculture cred. Mitch is a writer in residence at the New York Public Library, lecturer in residence at the Philosophical Research Society in Los Angeles, and the Penn Award-winning author of books, including Occult America, One Simple Idea, How Positive Thinking Reshaped Modern Life, and The Miracle Club. He has discussed alternative spirituality on CBS Sunday Morning, Dateline NBC, Vox, Netflix's Explained, Vice News, and AMC Shutter's Cursed Films, an official selection of South by Southwest. Mitch is collaborating with director Ronnie Thomas, Tribeca Film Festival, on a feature documentary about the occult classic, The Kabbalion, shot on location in Egypt and releasing in 2021. Mitch has written on everything from the war on witches to the checkered career of the professional skeptic James Randi for the New York Times, Boing Boing, The Wall Street Journal, The Washington Post, Time, Politico, and a wide range of zines and scholarly journals. Mitch's book, Awakened Mind, is one of the first works of new thought translated and published in Arabic. Mitch Mitch received the Walden Award for Interfaith Intercultural Understanding. The Chinese government has censored his work. Now he's here on Magic (laughs) Mind. Here he is, you guys. (laughs) Good to be with (laughs) y'all. Welcome to the show. So, um, So I just want you guys to know, I invited Mitch to be on our show because I, you guys remember, you may remember if you have listened for a while that I really freaked out when I realized how many metaphysical spiritual people were into QAnon and I, and, and anti-mask people and anti-vax people. And I really had a, like, I had a feeling like what am I doing? Like, why is this helping? Like, am I promoting a mindset that is leading to people to get confused? And I just was, I was like, what? I don't know. It was a kind of a reckoning. And I thought, you know, who would know, you know who <laughs> might help me with this? <laughs> who might have insight that would help me is Mitch Horowitz. So, so that's I'll kind of what I wanted her, to ask about. Yeah. yeah. Help, help test with her nervous breakdown. <laughs> well, I, I think uh, uh, her nervous breakdown is a sign of health. I yeah. think that anyone, <laughs> anyone who's not alarmed at the 
prevalence of uh, QAnon and related conspiracy theories within New Age culture uh, probably isn't paying close enough attention, uh, to be frank. Uh, I certainly don't think that those attitudes are anywhere near uh, uh, at a majority level, uh, I think they 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 exist among a, a potent a fraction and minority of folks. And uh, I should address this straight off because whenever I use the term conspiracy theory, the first thing people say to me is, "How are you defining conspiracy theory?" As mm-hmm. if I've overlooked that. I define it very simply. I define it every time I use it, and I define. And I'm happy to redefine it every time I invoke the phrase. And it's simply this, it is man's perpetual hunt for a hidden foe. Mm-hmm. That's simple. Mm-hmm. And when you search for a hidden foe, mm-hmm. one is always found. And that foe is almost always found among the helpless and the defenseless. Mm-hmm. That was true of the witch hunts that, oh, that yeah. scarred Europe for centuries in the middle ages and beyond. That was true of the satanic panic episodes that caused such uh, abuse of innocent uh, uh, accused individuals uh, here in the United States and Europe in the 1980s, part of the 1990s. Uh, one of the primary tropes of the current QAnon movement is that there are these uh, child abusing Satanists at the heart of government. It is complete a fantasy. Uh, and the phrase, do the research, uh, means absolutely nothing to me because crowdsourcing and anger is not research. Yeah. Crowdsourced uh, loops on social media uh, referenced to footnotes that require associative leaps is not research. So, right. you know, uh, again, it, it, conspiracy theorizing, it, it, it doesn't mean that you shouldn't poke holes in the straight story. It shouldn't mean, it doesn't mean you don't dissent. It doesn't mean that you're not entitled to question something that somebody is telling you, but when it becomes a habitual way of thought, then it starts to enter into what I would describe as the conspiracist mindset, which again, very simply, is the perpetual search for hidden foe. It didn't start with QAnon. It's not going to end with QAnon. Mm -hmm. It didn't start with COVID denial. It's not going to end with COVID denial. But if you look at the family tree of ideas uh, at the back of some of these current uh, conspiracy tropes, you'll find that they extend in all kinds of different directions and very frequently going to very dark places, ultimately, that objectify individuals, very often helpless individuals. Yeah, I mean, it's not that there aren't, there really are conspiracies. That does happen. There are, Mm -hmm. that's Mm -hmm. absolutely something that happens. But the conspiracy theories are different than actual conspiracies. But so with metaphysics and spirituality, I think for me, part of it, was, you know, how we say often in the new age world, like speak your truth, find mm-hmm. your truth. What's your truth? And that to me, that was unsettling. Like, I, cause I, I still do find value in that, but I also was like, is that confusing? Like, like if you feel like, oh, this is my truth, you know, Tom Hanks is eating babies that just resonates with me. Like <laughs> that's still not, it's, that's actually not true. <laughs> you know? right. So, so right. I don't want right. to perpetuate, you know, that type of thinking. Right. Well, you know, you're raising a very interesting point. I mean, in the radically democratic atmosphere of social media, uh, speak your truth, it can seem to be a form of liberty to inveigh about anything and everything and to expect the same degree of accessibility, hearing, uh, respect uh, for that point of view 
uh, as if it was something that was the product of a really hardcore and methodical critical thinking. Mm -hmm. uh, critical thinking is usually signified by an absence of humiliating other people, objectifying other people, uh, framing other people or communities as the enemy. As mm. soon as there is a kind of habitual default mode that frames uh, Tom Hanks or Hillary Clinton or whomever as the enemy that is at the top of this glacial uh, problem uh, that is undermining uh, whatever uh, cultural or political modes a person wants to live under, as soon as you begin to rely upon the objectification of community or individual, I think that stops being truth and that starts becoming stone throwing. Uh, truth usually announces itself within a certain context and truth usually announces itself without being part of a style of thought, which if you peel back the onion, Okay, so if it's not Tom Hanks who's the enemy, last year or the year before, it was Obama who's the enemy. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if you go into the uh, social media feeds, uh, metaphorically or literally, of people who are promulgating these ideas, you will always find, almost without exception, religious prejudices, hardcore anti-Muslim attitudes, birtherism, mm -hmm. um, you know, locker up type uh, sloganeering, et cetera, et cetera. It's part of a context. So, you know, speaking one's truth, I think means uh, an assertion of a kind of individual integrity and critical thought, not crowdsourcing and groupthink. Yeah, but that was the disturbing thing for me about this was the people, the QAnon people were not like that before. It was sudden, it was people who were free thinkers maybe, but like were not super Christian or super religious or anti-Muslim mm -hmm. or anything like that. It was just, and then suddenly they believed that Trump was a messiah. And, yeah, uh, you're making yeah. a good point. There is, there is this kind of schismatic equality as well. And, you know, it's interesting, one could, and a lot of people are asking this question, uh, people in the new age community, uh, just, you know, people uh, across various walks of life, you know, why have, why has this congregational zeal uh, uh, emerged around QAnon so immediately and, and so fully? And I'm of two minds about it. You know, I could come up with all the solid, defensible reasons why, you know, feelings of powerlessness, the economic downturn, alienation, and they would all be true to some greater or lesser extent. I don't think I have any remarkable insights as to why. None that you couldn't find, you know, in any decently written column in a news source or from any sociology professor or what have you, you know. But there's a point at which I almost feel disinclined to overanalyze or to overindulge in questions of why people believe delusional ideas such as the election having been stolen. Mm -hmm. And, and, and I, I defer more to the need to protect people from those delusional ideas. Mm -hmm. The election was not stolen, you know, yeah. emotion, crowdsourcing, uh, associative facts, speculation, testimony, uh, exaggeration, all these things, they're not research, they don't amount to anything. Uh, 54 courts, state and federal, including the Supreme Court, 
well stocked with conservative appointed justices, including Trump appointees, of which there have been three in the past couple of years alone on the Supreme Court. Every single one of these courts refused to uh, hear uh, these various associated cases for the same reason that we three uh, refuse to acknowledge them because there aren't facts there and it's mm -hmm. a topsy-turvy de definition of the word research. Uh, so that aside, I'm less interested in probing the question of, of, of the whys and the wherefores of delusion than I am in protecting people from delusion. Yeah. So my concern is five people died in the riots on Capitol Hill. A cop, uh, uh, a rioter who was shot, and three other folks who seem to have been rioters who suffered uh, medical uh, emergencies. And uh, that's a tragedy. I don't want to see that repeat. I care very deeply about that. I don't want to see people hurt. So my question is really just one of policy at this point. You know, how do we protect people from incitement, delusion, and, and violence? I, you know, I apologize if, you know, to listeners who might want to hear some, you know, kind of remarkable theorizing about the power vacuum and the alienation in our world that drives people in these directions. But the truth is, a lot of people feel that. I feel that. I could go on for an entire show about the problems with health insurers in this country and the manner in which they use coding schemes to deny you of insurance that you've legitimately paid for. So I feel all of that. But I, I want that to be addressed by uh, policies by actual policies that 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 mediate the power of corporations and the manner in which they take advantage of uh, consumer helplessness. I want radical consumer protection laws so that health insurers are not able to use coding schemes to deny you of coverage that you've paid for, and that's just one thing among many. So it's not like feeling alienation or feeling a sense that there's a r radical a break with equity in our political system drives somebody towards a QAnon. I feel all those same things, um, but that's not an excuse for incitement and delusion. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so there's just so much that the way that I associate it with my career path. I mean, I know that many people who like, like the woman, Ashley Babbitt, who was killed at the Capitol, yeah. she had just had like a, a big financial challenge with Absolutely. a loan she had taken out. And then the guy who, oh, what's his name? Oh, Steven Brandenburg, the pharmacist who left the vaccines out. He had just gone through a divorce. Like he just got served with divorce papers. Like there's definitely mm. trauma is associated with, you know, getting on board with this stuff. Um, and so I want to feel compassion. I also read a book called The Cult of Trump by a cult specialist, Stephen Hassan. And oh, yeah. it was like, you know, this is these people are they don't want to have their minds controlled like this. People who get in cults, they don't ultimately they're not choosing to be mind controlled. And so I do want to have compassion. And then I also am I, I can't I know there are many reasons people get into it, but I also can't help but suspect that often racism plays a part that oh, it's like no question people yeah. don't want to say oh i'm racist or i feel more comfortable with white people having the power that they've had for you know centuries in our country so instead of saying that i don't feel comfortable with that kind of change i'm going to say tom hanks is eating babies you know there is no question about that and it's important for us to be very very plain about that you know i recall many years ago when uh, Obamacare was first being introduced as legislation. That's when the so-called Tea Party uh, yeah. began to pop up 
yeah, especially in town halls with Congress people. And there was this talk, completely false and imaginary, of death panels and healthcare rationing and so on and so forth. These were all delusional tropes. Mm -hmm. Obamacare is nothing but a privately subsidized insurance that is literally better than nothing. If yeah. you if you wanted to find the phrase better than nothing, that's Obamacare. It's a very disappointing, very half-hearted Band-Aid solution to a very serious problem. And all it is is just uh, mildly regulated uh, private health insurance that comes with high premiums and no prescription coverage. It's that fascinating, mm -hmm. that conspiratorial, and it's disappointing. And we are going to have to do better if we're going to do anything about this ongoing healthcare crisis. But but for all that I just described, you know, many of your listeners can recall uh, watching TV, watching the news during that period of time when Obama was first elected and seeing people from the so-called Patriot movement, the so-called Tea Party movement, uh, disrupt and fulminate and talk about Nazism and death panels and healthcare rationing at these town hall meetings. And the only possible conclusion I could come up with is this is a cultural, racially phobic or racist reaction to having a president with a name like Obama, mm -hmm. with the ancestry that he has, exactly the same as the whole birtherism movement. What was yeah. birtherism but yeah. proxy racism? And right. it was just that simple. And the sad truth is we all know it. We yeah. all know it. There was never any question about Obama being born anywhere but where his long-form birth certificate, which was released, says he was born. But even with the release of that document, and it shouldn't have been necessary at all, but even with the release of that document and corroborating evidence, Donald Trump was capable of building a hugely successful political career on the racist trope that our first African-American president wasn't born in the United States. Yeah. No one among us but the most cynical could deny that that's flat out racism. Yeah. So, and it worked, unfortunately, it worked. And we're living through the bitter fruit of Trump's success right now. And I am not unaware of the fact that uh, something on the scale of 47.3% of Americans voted for Trump in the last election. And I'm not unaware of the fact that some of those folks count among my readers. And I know I'm going to get emails and notes on social media and things of like that nature mm -hmm. from a handful of readers who are very, very angry at what I'm saying. Mm -hmm. And sometimes people won't come out right out and say it, but they'll say like, what happened to you? You mm -hmm. used to be so open-minded. And I'm oh, asking right. myself, what have I done? You know, what, <laughs> right. what have I done that has stripped me of that noble title of open-minded, a right. term like common sense, which seems to exist nowhere except in its absence. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, usually what they're driving at is that I've said something critical about Trump. I don't make a point of doing it, but I don't make a point of desisting from it either. Mm -hmm. You know, if I'm asked the question, I'll, I'll respond to the question as clearly as possible. If that means someone doesn't want to read one of my self-help books, uh, don't read it, you know. Yeah. But, but, but the fact is, I'm not unfollowing the podcaster or the Twitter follower or the friend, you know, who does have pro-Trump uh, sympathies. And I am sometimes pressured to, and I resist that pressure because yeah. I know how it feels to yeah. have events canceled or to be kicked out of organizations because I do have points of view that some people regard as controversial apropos of what's considered acceptable parameters within the alternative spiritual search. But the point that I'm trying to make is that, you know, 
sometimes we really just need to be plain and simple. And your point that there's racism involved in all this political heat is as plain as day to any but the most cynical among us. Mm -hmm. And that's a very serious problem. And this stuff, QAnon, birtherism, um, the fulmination about Obamacare, which today seems positively old fashioned given the, the mild reality of Obamacare, all of that stuff uh, to some greater or lesser degree is a proxy for racism. And to not come to terms with that is cynical. Yeah. Yeah, so now, so this is another thing to me, like in my work, cause I'm also an author and a spiritual teacher and I, you know, lead group meditations and guided meditations on YouTube. And I do talk about angels and connecting to spirit guides mm -hmm. and uh, tapping into like the archetypal power of deities. And mm -hmm. that like, I, I think when I realized, you know, the QAnon new age crossover, which is now, we now have like a, a totem of that in Jake Angeli, you know, who is in jail and is refusing to eat prison food because it's the Q shaman because it's not organic. Yes. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, yeah. Like I, when I realized this crossover, I was like, I felt like worried that I, my, what I'm talking about is being misconstrued. Like, like if you talk, you know, like I feel like the QAnon thing is it, that they're they think. I mean, I was called Luciferian yesterday by posting against Trump on oh, my Facebook page. Like that, that's that. a compliment, uh, you know, in my <laughs> world. I mean, <laughs> I was called that. <laughs> wow. I mean, you, someone's you know. in a good mood, you know. <laughs> uh, but I just, I was like, I, I is the am, is what I'm doing wrong? Is it creating confusion that people think that they can just kind of like go into the ethers and go, oh, there's some dark energy there, and oh, it's connected to Biden and it's connected to the Clintons, and there's, I think there's some sex trafficking going on there, and that's what I'm tapping into, and that's what Tess does. So you know, I just, I worry that there's. That I, I, it almost made me want to quit. Just like th this is not, I understand. you know what I'm talking about? I understand. And I have those moments too, where it almost makes me want to quit. You know, I, I wrote a critical article in October uh, about the career of the, um, uh, the professional skeptic, James Randi. Uh, and um, I talked about the manner in which he committed uh, acts that were as specious and fraudulent as the very things that he claimed to police. And uh, I heard an earful from some of his followers mm -hmm. and I found that they were absolutely shocked in the very few cases where I responded, uh, but they were shocked in general by the nature of the article uh, by being uh, 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 accused of something that they see themselves as the polar opposite of, which is anti-intellectual. And mm. that's, that's the case. You know, they're trying to stifle research that uses the same scientific method that they consider themselves defenders of. And they don't, they're unaware of arguments that arise from that same scientific method that undermine their own position. And the whole problem is that they have a quote unquote position. Uh, rather than pursuing science as a methodology, they pursue it as an ideology. And they're yeah. so unaccustomed to being questioned for their own anti-intellectualism. And the result of this, of course, is not to grow pensive, but it's to grow hostile. And so at such times, you know, I, I flirt with moments of giving up, you know, in terms of writing about these topics within the mainstream and so on and so forth. 
Uh, I haven't, and uh, I don't foresee that, but it's just human. You know, you, you, you have to have those moments where you, you kind of look out the window and you ask yourself, am I, am I doing the right thing here? Uh, but usually those, those moments are, are positive and healthy because they, they can serve as, as, as periods of re-examination and, and recommitment. Um, but, but as far as encountering uh, people within our own new age culture, and I embrace the term new age and I'm happy to be defined by it. You know, I see new age as a, a radically ecumenical culture of therapeutic spirituality. It's that simple. I'm proud to use the term. Anybody wants to call me new age is altogether welcome to. Uh, the fact is for many, many, many years, there has been a kind of nativistic, ultra-nationalistic presence within new age culture. Uh, that's been true going way back to the late 19th, early 20th century. In fact, after I published my first book, Occult America in 2009, I got a phone call from a very friendly uh, conservative documentarian named Steve Bannon, who was yeah. not widely known yet. And he <laughs> called me up and he said, hey, listen, I love your book. Uh, I, I, I'm, just, I'm just so um, thrilled with the things you explained and all the stuff you examined and it's about time and this great. And he said, you know, you probably don't know who I am. I'm a, I'm a conservative documentarian and a, and a financier. And at that time, nobody knew Steve's name. And then I watched his star rise and rise and rise to the point where he became Trump's uh, Svengali, you know, basically. Yeah. Yeah. And so I've had many such encounters like that. And the thing is, I'm not going to put up walls. You know, if somebody wants to reach out to me and says, hey, you know, I really dug this article. I really dug this piece. I really, you know, I will talk to anybody, you know, on terms that are respectful and, and, and that foster an exchange. But if somebody starts name calling and fomenting and inciting and objectifying, uh, then, you know, it's over. There's not the basis for a relationship. Uh, although even then, you know, if somebody reaches out to me with an olive branch, I'll take the olive branch because I, I whether that's wise or not, you know, I, I, I'm very pensive about about shutting people down. I'm very pensive about putting up walls because I know what it's meant. And I've experienced that thing in my own life when people misapply something and they decide like, oh, you're too scary. We have to have you out the door. You know, so I'm very pensive about that. So it's more policies that I won't put up with than people. Yeah. And just to your point, Tess, like you can't control how people take the information. I know, but see... Then I think about how, uh, you know, in the past, the just, you know, not, not too distant past, the occult, I mean, that means secret, like it used to be secret. It yeah, wasn't like yeah. we just published it in books. And, the, and the, I start to think, oh, that's why, because it was like teachers would think, okay, yeah, I think it's safe to teach this person this information. You know, it, it's, there's another aspect of it being that that I'm like okay yeah I have taught that and I can see how this is being misconstrued like the anti-vax thing and the anti-mask thing mm -hmm. to be like the the message of oh we're going to think positive we're going to heal ourselves we're going to you know that, that that we don't need to get into the space of fear fear is the enemy you know that kind of thinking is leading people into the anti-vax anti-mask space. And it's like, yes, I do think it's true that we can heal ourselves. We can send healing energy. And I also think that vaccinations are important and that masks are important and that science is real. So, mm -hmm. um, 
it's yeah. like, that's another aspect of it that I'm like, well, if I can't be very clear, if I can't clear, because I feel like I can't, like, I feel like it's a kind of a subtle thing, like with the angels, it's like, I, I understand to me, like, this is helpful. This is useful. I can feel that this is like intuitively feels right to me. How do I create that boundary where I explain to people, oh, and, you know, go ahead and get that vaccination. You know? yeah, yeah. It's just like in an argument with a person, when you're having an argument and they misunderstand you, at some point you have to let it go and say, if I misunderstood, I have to have some peace with that. Right. You can't control you know, that. One of the things that I've tried to practice, if this is at all useful, is I am committed to total transparency. Uh, part of the QAnon worldview as I alluded earlier, is that there's this hidden enemy somewhere and John Podesta or whomever is a secret mm -hmm. Satanist or whatever, whatever, whatever. Uh, accuse me of whatever you wish. There, there, uh, there's nothing out there uh, that I'm not 100% transparent about. And if you doubt that, go to my Twitter feed. If you doubt that, go on to Medium. Why don't you take a look at my compendium of articles called God of the Outsiders. It will disabuse you of any notion that I'm hiding anything from you. Mm -hmm. Now, hand in glove with that, you know, I'm frank with people, for example, that I take an SSRI because I don't like the manner in which um, meds or uh, psychopharmacological meds are sometimes run down in certain aspects yeah. of the new age or recovery culture as if it's cheating, you know, right. I'm also wearing eyeglasses, you know, is that <laughs> cheating too? You know, I yeah. mean, you have to start to realize that like, I don't make divisions between the spiritual or the extra physical and the material. To me, it's all one whole. Mm -hmm. yeah. And it's, to me, the only artificial aspect of, of, of the search is drawing these lines of demarcation. You know, where would one end and the other begin? You know, mm -hmm. so if I wear eyeglasses, for example, why wouldn't I take a pill or, you know, something else that contributes to the, the whole being mm -hmm. that I am, which is a physical being, which is an extra physical being, which is a being that has a, a spiritual existence, a material ex existence, and drawing that line of demarcation where one begins and the other ends is totally metaphorical. Right. You know, these are these are just concepts that metaphors, you know, that we use to try to explain uh, experiences. I have two sons. I would not consider not having them unvaccinated. I view vaccinations as something that uh, not only have saved just millions of countless lives and improved millions of countless lives, but understand the historicism too behind it. You know, part of the reason in occult America, you know, one of the things I discovered was that part of the reason that the movement of spiritualism or seances spread uh, with such rapidity in this country in the mid 19th century, and there are many reasons, but one of the reasons is that people were staggering under the agony of uh, childhood deaths from yeah. disease. Uh, there was one year in uh, here in New York City, where I live, in the early 1850s, where more than half of all recorded deaths were infants, more yeah. than half of all recorded deaths were infants. They were dying from uh, smallpox and, and other uh, childhood-related diseases that are unknown to yeah. most of us uh, 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 folk living in the so-called developed world in the 21st century. And the, the absolute ahistoricism of the movement is something that I was struck by, but I'll leave that aside. I just wanna, the point that I'm trying to make is, um, I try to foster absolute transparency 
about my beliefs, my life, my life, my practices. I write from my life. I write from my experiences. My search and my public work, including this show, are exactly the same. So my feeling is if you're looking for something hidden, uh, look all you want, because I do really do my very best. Uh, I might fail, you know, from time to time. And obviously there are zones in life that are intimate and private for all of us, just because they involve relationships and other things that aren't public uh, uh, material. But anything that I uh, profess as a, a belief or a practice or anything that I use as a vehicle physical or extra physical, I, I try to be upfront about, you know, yeah. I think I owe that to, to the reader. Yeah. yeah. And then where they take the information from that is their responsibility. It's not yours. Right. Yeah. yeah. Well, thanks for this therapy. You guys. <laughs> no, <laughs> I mean, I'm we're all in better. this together, you know, and I, I want people to be transparent, which is also why I don't want us to use proxy tropes or phrases. You know, I mean, if we're going to talk about birtherism, if we're going to talk about you know, whatever, you know, pizza gate or whatever. Mm -hmm. It's like, what's really on your mind, you know? Mm -hmm. And another thing I want to say, by the way, and I feel this is very important, very often um, conspiracy talk and, and, and finger pointing at, at a supposed hidden foe is a projection of actually what's going on with the mainstream institutions that we can't deal with and can't talk mm -hmm. about that get pushed off onto helpless uh, most, most of the time. Uh, helpless people or communities. Like, for example, during the satanic panic in the 1980s, many, many innocent people, healthcare workers, teachers, librarians, just yeah. everyday folk were accused of this horrible, lurid child abuse. It was all complete fantasy, but look yeah. what was going on historically at that time. There were unreported and underreported cases of child abuse in two very mainstream institutions, the Boy Scouts of America and the Catholic Church. These yeah. are just historical facts that we know because of survivor lawsuits. Mm -hmm. uh, the Boy Scouts of America has recently declared bankruptcy to shield itself from something on the scale of 80,000 uh, lawsuits from people who claim sexual abuse under the organization's auspices. Uh, the Catholic Church has a, a similar set of stories. So, you know, the numbers are there. Uh, we understand these things now historically. But what, what we didn't have perspective to understand back in the 1980s is that when this completely fictitious satanic panic was going on, something that we're a whisker away from today, unfortunately, uh, all these lurid accusations of child abuse were um, were were contributing, uh, or at least uh, reflecting the fact that all of that some of some actual abuse was going on within two very mainstream organizations, the Boy Scouts of America, the Catholic Church, and no one was talking about it, or it was yeah. grossly underreported, and bad actors were being legally protected, were being shielded. So what does that tell us about the manner in which we project fears onto other groups? So that could be birtherism, that could be the witch hunts mm -hmm. uh, in Europe starting in the Middle Ages, which still go on around the world today. I wrote about it several years ago in the New York Times. There are witch hunts that are deserving of the phrase that go on in Latin America, the South Pacific, Africa, you know, certain communities in the West. Uh, so this projection of the larger ills of society that are going on within powerful groups, that are going on within groups that receive social approbation, that are pushed onto smaller, more marginal groups. That seems to be a trait of, of human nature and that's something to watch out for. 
Yeah. All right. Well, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't sure if you. I hope I haven't depressed everyone. I mean, I'm. No, <laughs> there's not also at all. One, wonder and splendors in the human spirit, and I'm thrilled all yeah. the time with the number of people yeah. I hear from as individuals. You know, when people leave these groups, I mean, I I, I have to say, if I may, just just one more comment. Yeah, um, I groove. I groove to having conversations and exchanges with lots of readers, lots of listeners, lots of friends, lots of different people, who may actually identify with some of the very movements that I've been critiquing. Mm -hmm. But as individuals, when you get people outside of uh, their group setting, when you get people outside of what they consider to be their group identity, mm -hmm. and you just want to talk about the possibilities for human potential on an individual one-on-one -on -one scale, oh, wow, you know, then the conversation really goes someplace. Like, I feel horrible for this woman who was shot during the uh, the riot in Capitol mm -hmm. Hill. I'm very aware that she was a struggling business owner. Mm -hmm. She had a pool cleaning company and, and, and sometimes shortly before the riot, she had taken out a bank loan that was charging her a usurious rate of interest. Now, I look at someone like that and I think to myself, that could be one of my mastermind partners, that could mm -hmm. be one of my readers, that could be one of my fellow seekers, my co-searchers, you know, mm -hmm. and, and I would sit down and I would talk to that person and I would wanna see that person do well. Mm -hmm. The dignity of the human spirit is extraordinary and filled with potential. That dignity gets squandered when we hand it over, when we exchange it for a group identity. The group identity is very often uh, what strips us of the possibility to consider ourselves as, as noble, dignified individuals. And so when I grok with seekers, co-seekers on that level, so many things, it seems to me, become possible. Yeah, well, you know, I was just going to say, I will be the one to bring it down now, because for me, how I first felt so much despair about this was speaking individually with people, because I was like, well, if I just talk to them and figure out where are they coming from, then I'll be able to maybe have some perspective. I was like, maybe there's something yeah. there I'm not seeing. And it was just a lot of, you can't trust the media. Well, I don't know. I can't, anything I would say with facts, they just wouldn't believe. And these are individual people that I knew. Yes. And I dig that. And, and you can't, I mean, you can't, this, yeah. the kind of like the, the QAnon congregational mentality is so extreme. It cannot be pierced, you know, and, and I yeah. sympathize with what you're saying, because I think we've all been there to some greater or lesser extent. You cannot explain to a hardcore Trump supporter that, Trump lost the election. It's, yeah. it's, it's something that any more than I can explain to a hardcore materialist mm -hmm. who is angry at me for writing critically about the career of James Randi, that there's mm -hmm. juried clinical evidence for the anomalous transfer of information or what might be called ESP in lab settings. I can't explain that to them. Mm -hmm. And if I presented them with absolute evidence, it wouldn't penetrate. The subject mm -hmm. would get changed. Mm -hmm. They would, you know, get angry about, you know, my nail polish or whatever, you know, it just, <laughs> it wouldn't happen. Mm -hmm. So it's impossible, unfortunately. Yeah. But what is possible is off that topic, off that topic, 
topics of human potential, topics of mm. um, the metaphysical and the possibilities for the individual, then the conversation can soar. I don't know whether one helps the other, but I can definitely say to you from personal experience, I'm sure you all have had this experience too. Um, and I'm sure many of your listeners have. You might sit down with somebody who does have all these beliefs, but if, if that topic simply doesn't arise and you're saying, you know, maybe you're talking about angel magic and saying, you know, dig this, you know, the archangel, you know, Raphael has been really helpful in my life. And I've used these three methods and that person could say, yeah, you know, I do dig that. And, and this is what I do. And suddenly you're connecting and it's magical. But when you get into the, the group thought, you know, even when it's yeah. just a one-on-one -on -one conversation, it's impenetrable, right. unfortunately, right. unfortunately. Yeah. 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 See that Stephen Hassan wrote about that in Cult of Trump, that it's like, if you can have, I mean, he, he said for days or weeks, if you can have a conversation with somebody where mm -hmm. you're listening and you're like, okay, I'll listen to you. And then you can listen to me. And you know, there's a lot of patience involved. And like, for me, that patience is challenging but then also I mean yeah like I heard a quote I heard like a soundbite of Jake Angeli the Q shaman like before the capital thing talking about how he was tapping into all the sex abuse and he said when other people can't see it it's because and the, and I quote it's because their third eye ain't open oh boy <laughs> yeah, so he's he's using he's yeah. using new age language as a way of of persecuting uh, other people. I mean, you know, basically, it's kind of like there's a there's a kind of um, this is this is my conclusion. You know, conspiracy theorizing is not the work of independent thinkers; it endangers independent thinkers. Yeah. So he's using what he probably considers to be independent thought to actually endanger independent thinkers. Because who is that going to be directed against? Who is That's probably going to be directed against some of the very people who help facilitate the neo-pagan community that he comes out of. That's who it's going to get directed against. Mm -hmm. So it, it's almost like you're using the language of liberation to narrow liberation. Yeah. Yeah. And just real quick, getting back to my original point, it's like, if you are in touch with yourself, if you trust yourself, you're going to know, even you're going to know that, well, I know my third eye is open or whatever. I trust my intuition. I know I trust my information that doesn't resonate. Mm -hmm. And anything that other per that he says isn't going to resonate with you. But what you're saying, my, or what I'm saying, or Mitch, that, you know, that will, if, if it does, if that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, yeah. And the other thing is, you know, I, I mean, this is not going to make the world any better because we're all so divided. But I do feel that there are times when people who come from the political culture that I come from, which conventionally speaking would be like a more progressive or left political culture, obviously, you know, I have my blind spots. I get things wrong, you know. I mean, I look at the, I don't know, you know, I, 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 you know, people who are like down with like second amendment rights or what have you, I probably have something to learn from them. You know, I probably have something, you know, there that I have to grok to and then I have to try to understand. So it's like, that ain't gonna make the world better. And, you know, it's, it's not gonna make, you know, anti-vax stuff, you know, any easier to talk about. But I do have to try to dig that somebody who's an independent business owner, for example, has experiences uh, that I don't necessarily have and um, I just have to grok to that, you know, so I'm, I'm trying to dig that I also have 
blind spots and and not to forget that yeah Yeah, we all do yeah well you know I feel like this talk has made me feel better in the way that it's like you know let's just do the best we can let's do the best we can to talk about all the details and all the feelings and all the you know, all the honesty and ways that we perceive as we teach about spirituality. It's the best we can do, I guess. There's a lot of nuance. Best we can do. And I just want to say, you know, to people who are listening, if they've made it this far and they're angry (laughs) based on what we're saying, like, (laughs) let me just extend this, you know, to you. I don't make policy. You know, I don't set policy. I'm not a politically influential person. You know, I'm giving it my best and I ain't going to unfollow you you want to unfollow me, you know, be my guest. It's happened before. It'll happen again. Mm -hmm. But we can have conversations about some very, very heavy and positive stuff in terms of spirituality, in terms of self-potential, self-development. I'm going to show up for those conversations every single day and you can show Mm -hmm. up for it too. And we ain't going to be able to bridge this gap between us in terms of in terms of politics, but there is a real bond between us too, in terms of self-potential. And uh, if there's any hope, uh, I don't know that there is, but if there's any hope, it can be found there. So I'm going to keep showing up. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thank Thank you. Pleasure. I appreciate you, you all doing a show on this. I know it's not easy to talk about. I know it stirs up people's emotions. Um, but, uh, we, we are part of a community and we got to talk about everything going on in that community. Um, so I appreciate you doing this, this episode. Yeah. Thanks for saying that. Yeah. It was great to talk to you. Where can people find? Oh, yes. Uh, they can go to my website, mitchhorowitz.com. My email is on there. Uh, it's my real email (laughs) and, uh, anybody wants to, you know, uh, uh, say anything to me, you go right ahead. Um, you can follow me on social media at Mitch Horowitz on Twitter at Mitch Horowitz 23, uh, on Instagram. Um, one of my most recent books is out right now, the miracle habits. I have a book coming out, uh, in uh, late February, uh, called the miracle month. It's an exciting book. It's a powerful book. So if you're so inclined, check that out. Um, and that's, uh, that's what I'm about at the moment. Great. Okay, I have one more comment and one more question, and oh, they my. won't take long. Okay. And Play the first, me. the con- <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I just want to compliment you on in Miracle Habits. I noticed that you quoted both Anton Lavey and C.S. Lewis in the same book Thank with you no for apology. That. No Thank apology. You for noticing that, and I dig them both. Thank you. <laughs> I, I I like that. And then um, question: What's your sun sign, moon sign, rising oh. sign? Oh, for sure. Um, this won't surprise Great. you. Um, Sun sign and moon sign is uh, Sagittarius. Oh. Rising sign is Aquarius. So oh. you know that ain't going to surprise anybody. <laughs> I'm sort of an open book. <laughs> That's that the way it is. Surprised me a little bit. Actually. It did. Yeah. Is that right? I thought oh, there would be some Earth in there, like Virgo oh. or something. I thought Gemini. Oh, something. well, but, we're both. See, yeah, yeah. but I have a Sag moon and N- Natasha's an Aquarius. Oh, yeah. So I'm heavily Sag. Uh, You know, I got Mercury, Moon, Sun in Sag. Oh, wow. And and then Aquarius rising. Ah. Okay. Well, thank thank you. you. And on that note, we did it, you guys. We interviewed Mitch Horowitz. (laughs) Pleasure. Pleasure, y'all. Thank you.
this is my truth. You know, Tom Hanks is eating babies. That just resonates with me. 